Welcome to the Graceful Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Debick, the founder of Life Coaching with Lauren, a female empowerment coach, an entrepreneur, empath, and a lover of the eco-friendly lifestyle. My mission is to help women take control of their lives by teaching them how to increase their confidence in an authentic and genuine way so they can achieve both personal and professional goals. I will share ways to increase your confidence, tips on how to integrate grace into your life, as well as stories and advice from other experts on how, as women, we can better empower ourselves and those around us. I will show you exactly how to use the power of confidence and grace to create an empowering and invigorating life that you are excited about waking up to every single day. Now, let's dive in. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Graceful Confidence Podcast. After a bit of a hiatus, I am so excited to say that we are back with more guests, more expert advice, and more ways on how to increase your grace and confidence in an authentic and genuine way. I am excited to start off this year's series with a topic that I think is timed very appropriately. Coming off of the holidays and coming off of some New Year's resolutions moving into February, we might be losing some steam on some of our goals. Perhaps one of your goals was how to save money better or how to be more conscious about your financial habits. That is why I am so excited to introduce today's guest, Nicole Overcamp. Nicole is a personal finance expert and business coach for women. She is the founder and CEO of Wilcox Financial Group and Powerhouse Money Coaching. Powerhouse Money focuses on business coaching for ambitious women, wealth coaching, and educational programming. Wilcox Financial Group is a comprehensive financial planning firm. It was founded to create an environment that's progressive and client-centric with outstanding high-touch service. Nicole is the co-author of the best-selling book, Money Bitch, a no BS guide for smart women to own their financial future. Empowering women isn't only a mission for Nicole through her companies, but also in her personal life as she serves on the board for Girl Scouts of Western New York, She Can, and the Center for Hope of Western New York. She's a fitness fanatic, outdoors lover, caffeine addict, and Audible obsessed. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Nicole, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Graceful Confidence Podcast. How are you? I am so good. How are you? I am doing well. I am really excited about this topic because this is something that is so important, and yet I feel so few people talk about it. But you you are the expert on that. So I'm really excited to have this conversation and for you to share just all of your, your insight and wisdom with women as it relates to their financials. So we're going to jump right in. What are some recurring themes you see when it comes to women and money? Well, there's there's a lot of them. And it, it's funny because it doesn't seem to change much between age how much income they earn or their level of success. So I think there's this misconception that if someone is doing really well in their career and they're making good money, it automatically qualifies them to be quote unquote all set, right? We, right. we sometimes make that assumption, if not all the time, when we see these successful women who just seem to have it all together. And the truth is, most of the time, we just don't, and, and but we're embarrassed about it. And so often what we find is, is a theme is that there's so much shame 
around women and their personal finances or planning because they know that they're crushing it in their careers and they're afraid to admit that they're not completely clear when it comes to finances. You know, it's it's that, well, what what is someone going to think? How am I going to be judged? Is there anybody to really help me? I don't want to feel like an idiot. I, um, you know, and, and I don't want to be mansplained anything. And so uh, that that's a big one is is just that that fear, shame and and vulnerability around money and, and what questions to even ask. Right. Um, and, and where to get started. And then. Another theme that we see often is not being able to set boundaries around uh, what they are saying yes to that's ultimately costing them money. So often that has to do with children, family, friends. Uh, Often we find too in some cultures, uh, you know, there, there's a big uh, theme between, well, you're you're the one of the family, you know, the quote unquote family, and this is going beyond just your your household, right? That that does really well. And since you do really well, you need or should, or it's your job to help and support us. So there's this constant feeling of guilt that they should be helping their external family members, but it's at their own detriment and it's stressing them the F out and they don't know how to say no. Um, and then another one is, is this is this is a probably a common and, and we many people listening may be able to relate is just simply spending because it feels really good. Uh, and often I find that this is a secret habit that not everybody admits, especially if they're in relationships and then it, it ends up coming to the surface at some point in the future. Uh, but but the, the feeling of spending because it feels good, even if it's not with a direct need, intention or purpose. So so those are the big ones, Lauren. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. And even hearing you talk, some of those things resonated with me. And um, if it's okay, what I'd like to do is dive into each one individually and talk a little bit about it. And some of the actions that people can take to, to better cope with some of these things or learn what to do to get out of them. So the first one, the, the shame, the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not knowing where to start. Yes. My question would be how, how did we get here and what can we do to get out of it? (laughs) So I think that how did we get here? It it really stems from that, uh, you know, the feeling that you have uh, that starts where you're like, wow, I should really do something about this, but I'm not going to because I don't know where to start. And then we blink our eyes and all of a sudden it's five or 10 years later and we're like, oh shit. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the biggest thing is if you're feeling like you're curious or you want to learn more or you want to know where you stand or you're not even sure if it's too soon, too late, whatever, which I can promise you it's never too soon. Um, the biggest thing is to literally just reach out to a pro, uh, you know, whether it's our firm or somebody else that you trust who's an expert in in personal finance and and ask for help, you know, and just say, Hey, this is where I am right now. What are some of the things I should be thinking about? And 
it's totally okay to interview a number of different professionals because this is a relationship. Uh, whenever you have someone helping you with your, your finances, that should be deeply personable, personal. You are going to be vulnerable. Money's so vulnerable. I can't tell you the number of times I've had you know women in my office who I ask them a question about what their goals are, what it is they want to accomplish. We start talking about money and all of a sudden they start crying. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know where these tears are coming from. Why am I so emotional? You know, and it's like, we, we have all these feelings come up that we didn't know existed because we've been suppressing them for so long because our life is busy and we tend to ignore the things that we deeply want and desire. Start by asking for help. Yes. Yes. That's the, like the number one thing that we can do. And it's such a power play. It doesn't mean you're incompetent. It doesn't mean you can't handle it. Like it will help you be more successful quicker. Um, you know, and that shoot like that weaves into everything in life. Right. Absolutely. Um, Moving into the second one, this is a big one, uh, in many different facets of our lives, especially women, from what I found with conversations, with coaching conversations, and just listening to some themes uh, from individuals, the not being able to say no or set boundaries. And it makes absolute sense what you said, Mm -hmm. uh, women as the caregiver for, for their families, for their children. That makes sense. How or what would you advise someone to do to start setting those boundaries? Yeah. So the biggest thing is to start thinking about what are you currently doing that's not serving you? And just write it down, like do a brain dump. And what are the things that aren't in alignment with where you're headed? And and so often we know the people who are driving us nuts or frustrating us or who we're holding this resentment toward, but we don't know how to have that conversation or how to end it. And so the, the simplest thing to do is to actually just start writing this down and then pick three, like what are three hard boundaries you are going to promise yourself you're going to follow and then write them in order of priority, right? Um, cutting off my brother, <laughs> like whatever it is. And, um, and so whatever that top priority is, the, the, the thing that's so important about this is that if you premeditate it and you write it down, you're more likely to commit to it. And often we just need that permission. And a lot of the time too, I'll even practice this with, you know, our clients in in terms of saying, Hey, can you have a conversation like this? And just asking the questions, you know, why are you doing this? Is this really helping them or is it hurting them? What happens if you're not here? What will they do? Um, and, And sometimes we just don't realize that our actions aren't, even though they feel good or they feel necessary, we are in fact enabling the very person that's asking for help. So it's important to sometimes ask those questions as well. And then more importantly, like if it's your kids, like, will they die? <laughs> you know, like, no, probably not. Like, you'll be fine, you know. And then what lessons can you teach them, right? What lessons can you teach them about money? Can you have fun with it? Um, and, and I always remind parents, like, kids are super resilient. Uh, they may have a short-term temper tantrum, but they'll still love you. They'll forgive you. And, and there's a lot of really cool things that you can do around that as well and teaching them about money so that they're then taking that skill set with them. Uh, that, that absolutely makes sense. And I would imagine being able to practice that conversation ahead of time would be extremely helpful 
So sometimes people get caught up in, okay, I made the decision, I wrote it down, but, but now what? So giving mm -hmm. them that confidence and practice and talking through those things, I can see where that would be of benefit. Yeah. So three hard boundaries. I love it. All right. The third thing was simply spending because it feels good. What, what advice would you give someone on breaking that habit or managing that habit? Yeah. And this is a, this is a hard one. And, uh, you know, it's, this was me. I, I love like spending because it's that like instant gratification. Right. Um, and it's, it, people are shocked when I say that because they're, you know, oh my God, but you're so responsible or you're a financial advisor and they, you know, they never assume it. But the reality is like, I'm human and we have our vices. And when I was younger and just getting started, like I totally, I spent money because I was too busy to do anything else. Truthfully, like I was working myself into the ground and um, it, it just made me feel really good. It was like that. Um, wow, I can do this. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it some more. And what was happening is it was like this outlet for stress and anxiety. And I didn't have something else to focus on. And I didn't ask myself why I was doing it. I was doing it because I was miserable. Right. Mm. And so I think if this is you and you're someone who knows like, yep, I totally fill my card up. I shop online. I buy a lot of stuff. Uh, I guess I'm trying to limit my swearing here. Uh, you know, I, but it feels so good to do it. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I, I buy what I want. And then afterwards I realize like, I don't really feel great about it or I didn't really need it. But in the moment you get this like temporary high, you know? And so if, if that is you, what, what you want to dig into and get curious about is in those moments, when you're doing that, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? How are you feeling? And a practice that I do with some of my coaching clients, and this is a great exercise for anybody to do truly, but mostly if, if you're someone who you know you have a, an emotional connection to spending is for one month. And if one month sounds like torture, do it for one week. Use a journal. Every time you spend money on one side, just write down what you bought. Write down what you bought, what you spent, like the dollar amount, you know, ice cream, $6 because inflation. <laughs> and uh, on the other side, write down what you're feeling. And going through that practice is going to bring to light a lot of things that your conscious self wasn't realizing. And so if you, you tend to see like, wow, I go get ice cream every day after lunch because I'm anxious or I'm not happy at work. It's time for a change. Uh, so, so number one is, okay, well, if I'm seeing a constant theme here, how can I take ownership of this problem and make it better? And number two, what is an act that I can do that's serving me better than spending money that I'm going to feel better about that's going to help my mindset. And so uh, for some people, it's going for a walk and listening to a book or a podcast. Others, it's meditating, working out, yoga, um, calling a friend, you know, there's, there's so many things. And so if that, that part two is like, write down a list of all the things that you've been meaning to do, you want to do, you'd like to do more of, and stop telling yourself you're too busy to do it. Right. Cause we do that. Um, and we make these excuses and sub that, start subbing that with your spend habit, your shopping. And you'll have this go-to list to go to so that when you're like, oh my gosh, I have nothing to do, or I'm going to go run an errand to quote unquote, be productive. You can go back to that default list and say, okay, I'm going to practice this. And 
it's a, it is a practice. This is hard. It's hard work to convert your brain, but um, the more you do it, the more in control you are. And, and the, the reality is you're going to learn, and this is all, all components of planning, right? You're going to learn to control your money or your money's going to control you. And, and it's a choice that we consciously need to make. You mentioned the word mindset. How important mm-hmm. is mindset when it comes to approaching your financials? It is imperative. Like it is, it is so critical because so much of wealth building is mindset. It's discipline. It's awareness. Uh, all of us make money, but the ability to keep it and knowing what to do with it and staying disciplined on a consistent basis is what makes us wealthy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You mentioned working with clients and I know we have, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I actually used to work for a marketing firm for financial advisors and women financial advisors are definitely the minority in this industry. And women are a huge audience. It's, it's half of, you know, the population. Mm -hmm. What, what has been your experience as a female financial advisor and money coach? Well, I, from a professional level in, in peer to peer, it's been a challenge, especially when I was younger in getting started. Uh, and even still to this day, there's not the same level of respect there. It's difficult to get others to take me seriously. I think even when I went out on my own and, and started to talk about, I'm going to start marketing towards women and only serve women because that really seems like how I can make the best impact my colleagues were like, that's a terrible idea. Why would you do that? (laughs) You're going to fail. You're cutting out 50% of the population. Don't you want to make money? You should target lawyers and doctors. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, but women are lawyers and doctors, you know? And, um, and the funny thing is, is, is just this morning I was doing a little, uh, happy dance because I, we got the report from the, the local upstate New York broker dealer that I'm with. And of all of the advisors, I'm in the top 15 and the only woman in that top 15. And what's better than that is the majority of the wealth we manage is women. It's women's assets. And, um, you know, it just goes to say like where, you know, we, we say and hear and have heard a story for so long and it's just not true anymore. You know, there's so much power that women have that they hold in what we're doing, you know, and, um, and the women we work with are the breadwinners, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, As well, the majority of them, if they are couples. And so I, I just wanted to say that because we, um, here, especially in my profession, like it's great to focus on women because they're the decision makers, but if you want to make money, focus on men. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but, but, but aside from that, you know, and, and we, and, and my firm does really focus on, on working with women. And I, I did that because one, I was sick of banging my head against the wall, trying to do anything else, but two, like we can relate, we can resonate with that. And we've seen great success because we've been able to create a space where women can come to us and have conversations and feel comfortable, like just feel comfortable in, and take action on things because we're breaking them down in a way that they can digest it. And it's all about the positive progress with accountability, with education versus saying things in so many different financial 
jargon ways where you can't really comprehend it, but because you can't comprehend it, you're afraid to speak up and ask questions, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've made it a big point to, to stand behind just making it um, fun, really like fun and simple because this is, it's so important. You know, you gotta understand what to do with your money so that you can live the life you deserve, quite frankly. Right. Um, and just feel confident with all of the decisions that you're making for yourself and your family. Uh, there seems to be a notion or a myth out there that I need to have lots of money in order to have a financial advisor. Is that true? It's not true, uh, but it's, it's, it depends. So what I mean by that is some advisors, that, and this is actually in our industry very confusing because the word financial advisor can mean like 100 different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, some financial advisors only manage investments. Some only sell insurance. Some only do fee-based financial planning. So the first is actually understanding what what you need and 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 who you want to work with, like the level of services that they provide. So not to make a confusing topic even more murky, but that's just the the reality of of this space. But um, so some advisors do have minimums. They have asset minimums if you're looking for just investment management, and others do not. And and for us, for example, we charge a fee to put together a plan for you or go through a coaching program. So you don't need wealth to get started. You don't have to have a certain amount of money. The biggest thing is that you need to show up and be coachable and be willing Mm -hmm. to implement that. So you can grow and build wealth for yourself, you know, and, um, and, and you're right, it is a, a big misconception out there. And so you don't need wealth to build wealth. How do you think all these people have built it, right? right. They, they plug in and they take action on what they have the opportunity for, and then wealth is built over time. That makes absolute sense. That's, that's a great way to, to explain it because it is a very confusing topic Mm -hmm. and world. And if you haven't broached it or dove in at all, it's, it can be very confusing and murky. So thank you for that clarification. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) What advice would you give to someone who, who is struggling with financial issues, you know, talking to a financial advisor, Mm -hmm. uh, even looking at their 401k statement, if they have one, like that's just not something that they do. What, what Mm -hmm. advice would you give them short of reaching out and asking for help? What are some other things that they could do alongside with that? Sure. So I think the first thing is for for them to write down what it is they want. Okay. So what, what do you want? And then how will achieving that make you feel? And the reason I say this and I say it first is because it's all well and good to say you want to save more, you want to get out of debt. However, it's you're never going to change and do the hard work if you don't know why, right? If you don't know how you're going to feel or what that's going to give you when you get that result. And so you got to think about what's important to you and what you want to achieve. And then what's the impact? How are you going to feel? So that's step number one. And then step number two is taking ownership of everything going on. So take a look at and evaluate everything you currently own everything you currently owe. So that's all of your debt, credit card, mortgage, if you have one car payment, and then how much money are you making? What is the amount that hits your bank account every single month? 
and starting to really understand your spending. So what is non-negotiable or fixed? Um, and then what is that uh, maybe mystery area or the gray area or disappearing money that you have going on that spend and is everywhere you're putting your money in alignment with your goals? And if not, it's really time to do some housekeeping. So what things can you change, cancel, tweak, so that you're starting to put your money where your goals are and then living more authentically in, in terms of what it is that you want to achieve. And the reality is most of the time we, we don't actually think about that, right? Um, and so that's a great place to start and you don't need to ask for help for that. That is, that is how you can help yourself is everywhere you are putting money in, in alignment with your goals. It sounds so simple. I'm putting stars around that quote. <laughs> simple, but not easy, my friends. <laughs> where, where do some of the challenges come from? Why is it so hard? Because on paper, it does look very simple and it makes sense, oh, yeah. but it's not easy. And we know that. Sure. Why is it so hard? Uh, a life. That's why, right? Um, I, I think it's 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 a combination of things. It's we're habitual people, and so we have habits and be, uh, behaviors established around our patterns of life, what we're doing, uh, and we don't realize often like where it's all going and the the stuff we do daily, right? And I say this all the time: what you do daily matters more than what you do once in a while. So if it's a few bucks a day, our mental accounting says we're not spending any money but you are. And is that something you want? Uh, and sometimes it is, it's worth it, but you, you got to think of that. And then next is we are uh, guilty of things. So we said this earlier. So where are you spending money on things that you don't even want to do? And then next to that is like, our phones hear us talk. They know what we want to buy. And so <laughs> like um, our phone, Google, the internet, our computers, like are telling us what we need. And then usually they're like pretty accurate. So we've got that extra layer of temptation to also buy things. And, and then again, culturally, we're in this society of highlight reels nonstop. And so often we're also um, subconsciously looking at everyone else and and that results in I'm going to go on vacation or spend more money. And, and so we tend to start living our lives because it's the life we think we should be living versus asking ourselves, well, wait a minute, like what is the life I want to live and how do I want that to feel? Have you developed or have you shared any money saving tips with any of your clients or are there things that tend to work better for others than, than not. So I I'm going to use the avocado toast, you know, example, I'm a millennial. We're like, stop buying coffee and avocado toast for money saving tips. First yeah. of all, is that realistic? And are there better money saving tips out there? Yes, there are better money saving tips out there. I am also a millennial and like, you're just not going to convince me that I can't have healthy food. Right. So, um, and, and with that said, it's, it's actually just looking at what you want most. Okay. So if you want your avocado toast and you really love your Starbucks, like keep doing it because if you cut out the things you love, you're never going to be consistent in sticking to a spending plan. And so, uh, but there's probably things that you're doing that you don't love, but you're still spending money on. So that's the number one thing. So just take a look at where all your money is going. 
And then ask yourself like, man, do I want this over that? And so some really simple examples are subscriptions that we forgot about we were paying for uh, or ones that we're getting that we like kind of like, but we're like, oh my gosh, like I cannot have any more lipsticks or, you know, <laughs> sample things. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, that's the stuff you want to cancel. Uh, if you have a gym membership or many gym memberships, like, are you actually using them? And be honest with yourself. Like, if you're not going to use it, like, there's no shame in the game. Just cancel cancel it. Right. Or if you are using it fabulous, like keep paying for that. And then other things to think about are, you know, and, and especially with the reality of inflation uh, and how much things cost, like they're expensive. It's not going down anytime soon. So how can you just get savvier with the things that you're already buying or buying regular? So um, I'll use myself as an example. I um, am a nut about what goes into my body and what I buy. So it's always the same thing, but I have a couple of things that I found that are cheaper on Amazon, for example, like my protein powder, it's still really solid ingredients and it's saving me about $10 per, um, you know, protein thing that I used to buy before in the store. And in addition to that, I did the subscribe and save because I know Every single, um, you know, every four weeks, I'm getting the exact same thing over and over again. And so with any items that I was buying on the regular, and I actually did this a few months ago, I like was like, I need to clean my life up a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> I went through all of my, um, you know, my history of my purchases and everything and anything I was like always reordering, even as much as gum, I did subscribe and save for because it, I ended up saving anywhere from 10 to 20% on items that I'm getting anyway. Plus it's it's convenient. So um, that's one thing, you know, to, to think about that. Okay. And can you save money by just being more efficient or effective? Or can you sub a product that you love with another one that costs less, but it's still just the same quality? Um, and then are you, where are you grocery shopping? So, um, you know, Sarah and I are big, big fans of Aldi, uh, you know, but depending on where you live and what you have available to you, can you start somewhere where you're going to see some cost savings and then clean up at like a, a Whole Foods type place where they may have one or two products that you can only get there? That's another way to save. And then as far as gas, there's some gas apps that you can utilize to save money on fuel. And then the next is credit cards. So this one is, is it's careful because this is really only good for individuals who are paying their credit cards off in full every month and they do not have credit card debt. So really, really important point. Um, but if that is you and you don't have credit card debt, you pay it off in full every month, Use a credit card that serves you, that acquires points or cash back or um, anything that you can utilize where you are then taking advantage of the credit card versus it taking advantage of you. So um, you can charge everything on a credit card. And then as you acquire points, it can help you buy things without actually spending money on them. So that's uh, another good little trick to, to actually participate in and follow in. And even one of the cards that I use, I just bought um, $600 in Amazon gift cards, you know, so, cause I just admitted I buy a lot on Amazon. So <laughs> it feels good. So those little hacks are, are things that you can do. You can save some money, but you're also not impacting your lifestyle where it feels, um, where it just doesn't feel right. You know, you have mm -hmm. to enjoy the things. You mentioned uh, credit card debt and debt. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about debt for a second. Sure. What are some things, some easy things people could do to start paying down their debt or taking control of debt if they have it? 
So if you have it, especially credit card debt, rule number one, stop using them. It's very hard to pay off credit cards if, especially if they're like north of, you know, 15% if you're constantly using them. So stop using them. Next is go back to that audit that I talked about earlier, that spending audit, where's all your money going? Can you realign any dollars to put toward extra debt? And are there any reoccurring charges on your credit card that you forgot about too? So go through your credit cards, do that audit, cancel any reoccurring charges or subscriptions. Um, and then next is of all the credit cards that you have, start to look at how you can pay off the lowest balance first, because that'll allow you to do what's called the snowball method. One, you'll be able to take all the money you're putting towards that smaller credit card plus its payment. And then after it's paid off, put it towards the next one. But second, it's psychological. Like if you see the success of paying off a card, it feels really good and you're motivated to do it on the next one. So that's really important um, to, to follow. And then next to that is depending on your situation too, something that you could consider. And again, this is, is definitely circumstantial is perhaps refinancing that credit card debt. So, uh, you know, maybe talking to a local credit union or a banker or advisor to have an overview, but really considering, can you consolidate that credit card debt for a lower interest loan? Rates have been going up, but rates are also still relatively low. It's, especially comparing to credit cards. So can you do that more efficiently? You know, and it, and it really just comes down to the details, how much you have, what you're capable of achieving, your credit score, so on and so forth. So a lot of things, but, but at the very least, you can look at cleaning up your spend, taking off those reoccurring charges and, and paying off the lowest one first. And, and going from there is, is some simple guidance, certainly not advice to be clear because everything's so um, circumstantial, but um, as some tips, those are some things to consider. That's fantastic. I really like how, how the guidance is clear. You know, it's not this um, large just thing with finances. Like it's very, here are some things that you could do if it works for you in your situation, which I think a lot of people need those, those options and those choices. And just to know that here are some actions that they could take. So thank you for sharing that. I know it's going to look different for every single person, but when you are talking with clients or when you're thinking about it for yourself, what does financial success look like or feel like? It feels like freedom. That's what it feels like. It feels like you have the ability to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, and you're not stressing out if something goes wrong. And the level of, of what that requires for everyone is wildly different depending on what you like to do, where you live, how much you spend and all those details. But at the end of the day, the feeling of being able to do what you want without stress and anxiety and being prepared when life happens, because it will, is absolutely priceless. Like that is the best feeling that you can have and, and the confidence around that. One of, one of our final questions as we will start to wrap up is why is investing in yourself important? Because no one else is going to do it, sister. So <laughs> 
is that a good answer? Uh, you know, but, but truly like no one else is going to care about your goals. Like you do. No one else is going to be your own advocate. Like you can be your own advocate. And we need to understand that we're worth the effort. And often that requires an investment, whether it's a monetary investment, an investment of time, an investment of hard work, whatever that may be, um, we owe it to ourselves to invest in whatever it may be to get us to where we want to be. You can't stay where you are without getting uncomfortable and expect a different result. Absolutely. Nicole, if someone wanted to find out more about you or reach out or learn more about what it is and what you do, and if you could potentially help them, where would they look? The best place to start is on Instagram. So it's at pow her house money. And uh, in our Instagram bio, we have a link to everything we have going on. And we're constantly posting tips and things that you can do to put yourself in a better position. Awesome. And final question, when do you feel the most confident? I feel the most confident. Oh boy. When do I feel the most confident? Um, after I've completed a really hard thing. So I'm a huge fan of challenging myself and whether it is a workout or doing something I was terrified to do, but I signed up for it and said yes anyways, whether it was a speaking engagement or anything like that, like anytime I do something that I'm not necessarily sure I can do (laughs) and I finish it, I feel so good. And, and, truthfully, like that's what fuels me to do it again. Right. Um, and, and keep challenging myself because it's, it's so much fun to test my limits and see what I'm capable of achieving. Awesome. Is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners or anything else you think people need to know? I think the biggest thing for everyone listening is to get started and write down the one thing that you're going to promise yourself to take action on. One thing, just one thing, one step, one action that you are going to get started on. And you gave so many fantastic tips and ideas today. So thank you so much. This topic is so important. And I hope in in the coming months and years, more people, more women feel more comfortable talking about this, because I really do see how that could benefit them, their families, the community, truly everything. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It is so important. Absolutely. And I'm having a blast doing it. Awesome. And that, that is what counts. If you can have fun doing (laughs) what you're doing and you're making an impact, that's, that's where the magic is. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Graceful Confidence podcast. If you know someone who could benefit from this podcast, please go ahead and share it with them. Encourage them to like and follow this podcast so they know when new episodes are launching. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon.